0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Pulse Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins, and I appreciate you tuning us in today, that God may speak to you through his word, and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth, that you'll be blessed, and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast, and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. Uh, to take the pastorate here at the church. So 19 years ago, tomorrow we moved here and I officially started on July 1st. But I remember one of the first times someone got up and did an announcement here and they thanked God for the rain. And I'm like, I used to work in Seattle outside in in the ditches and in rain gear and all that. And I I seldom ever thank God for the rain. I'm like, you do that actually here? <laughs> I was like, you thank God for the, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess we're supposed to be thankful for the rain, but I, I had been in it so many days over in the Seattle area where my family was from, I'd never really uh, thank God for the rain because it rained all the time there. So now I'm in a different, I've been here so, as long as I have that I do thank God for the rain and, and I was actually, it started raining last night, so I'm like, And also this morning, woke me up at 5 this morning with the wind blowing. So I'm like, I'm going to go fertilize the yard. So I was out there fertilizing fertilizing my yard at 5.30 this morning. If people saw me, they would have thought I was weird. But uh, (laughs) we're going to continue on in our, our Mark series, Preparing the Way of the Lord series that we've been going through. Because really the whole book of Mark is about Jesus. Preparing the Way of the Lord. For Jesus' is coming, as, as John the Baptist starts out with John the Baptist, preparing the way of the Lord. But I really think there's a lot that we need to prepare for the way of the Lord in our lives. God, have your way in us. And we sang about Waymaker today. Have your way in us, Lord, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And one thing that I just saw a picture, the Lord just showing in worship, that sometimes we feel like um, we've been raised... To, it's like a stairway to heaven or a ladder to heaven. And, you know, we, we feel like we fail more than we actually grow. And, and so we might take three steps forward and then, you know, or two steps forward and three steps backwards. It feels like we're always in this thing. I'm always failing. I'm never going to be this perfect person or fathers, for example. I'm not going to be a good father because I just never can achieve that. And the Lord spoke to me this morning and says, I am not a stairway. I am not a ladder to heaven. But I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am a door. I am a door, not a stairway. Just open the door of our hearts to the Lord, and he will come in. That's the, the, he is not a stair step there. And, and you can never fail too much. You can never fail... Um, Beyond what God's love and His grace for you. Ever, ever, ever. His grace is always enough for us. Even as much as we may think that we failed God. Today I want to read this passage. And last week we started uh, chapter 9 in in Mark. If you have a Bible, you want to grab one out of the seat today. We're going to read that here in a moment. But we read the first part. And the first part of Mark chapter 9 was about the transfiguration. Uh, that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain. And this is immediately following after that. I said I would kind of continue this uh, message on from last week. And so this is going to be the continuation of this. But I want to start immediately following their um, coming off the mountain. Let's see what happens. Let's start in verse 14. It says, And when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing... With them. And as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He said. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And whenever it sees him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. "'Oh, unbelieving generation,' Jesus replied, "'how long shall I stay with you? "'How long shall I put up with you? "'Bring the boy to me.' "'So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, "'immediately it threw the boy into a convulsion, "'fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. "'And Jesus asked the boy's father, "'How long has he been like this?' "'From childhood,' he answered. "'He often often throw, thrown him into the fire or water to kill him.' But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And pay attention to this point. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. That's a good one to highlight right there. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse as many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this Kind can come out by only prayer. And he left that place and passed through Galilee, and Jesus did not want anyone to know where he, where he was because he was teaching his disciples. Um, let's just stop there. Father God, I just pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we may hear from this story what you want to show us about your power over any any lie of the enemy, any of our own doubts, any of our own fears, God, even our own sometimes lack of faith to believe. Lord God, just as, the, just as the man cried out to you, if you could heal him and you said, if I can, and you assured him that you can for those who believe, that we may come to belief in seeing who you really are and your power over any lie of the enemy, God, that it would not have a hold on us in any shape or form, God, But we also may know that we can come to you with anything, any time, any day, any any situation. Lord, we can always come to you and bring it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week I was talking about the transfiguration. And and this was a, a powerful moment, if you recall, or you want to look ahead or look backwards that this was a, a powerful moment on the mountaintop, this powerful God moment where the glory of God showed up. Jesus was transfigured before them. He, he the, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God appeared on that mountaintop. And then Elijah and Moses appeared with them, and then Peter was saying, let's just stay here. Let's just stay here and build some shelters. We just want to stay here. This is a powerful moment. And then the voice from from heaven spoke out and said, this is my son, listen to him. And then all of a sudden, um, the glory, I guess you could say the glory cloud lifted and Jesus was just standing there with his disciples. Powerful moment. Uh, You know, what an amazing experience on that mountaintop. And uh, I mentioned sometimes we have those, have you ever had mountaintop experience? you just like, Nothing will ever compare to that. <laughs> Nothing will ever compare to that that time with God. I mean, if you ever have these God moments where you're just like, and I often say, sometimes we, we think about the times maybe, I even can think of times in youth group back in, back in the day, you know, where there was really powerful times of worship and, and retreats, or I went on a mission trip or went to other countries, and we're just like, wow, God. You were so powerful back in 1983. I mean, I don't, th- I don't know if we're ever going to match 1983. I mean, that was the best, you know. And, and, and now I, I, look at, I look back at some of those experiences, and I, I can hear, some, if you've ever looked at old um, songs that you used to sing, and you're like, <laughs> well, God, you used it back then, but it's kind of funny, some of those experiences. But those are powerful moments. Some people even come back from these places like YWAM and they're like, I don't know if I can, I can ever get back into normal society again. I don't know if I can ever get back into normal life again because those were so powerful times. And, and sometimes I've honestly seen people just kind of crash and burn because they're just like, man, we used to pray every single day. We wouldn't do anything without the leading of the Lord. And then I come to church and they don't want to do anything. It's like, well, they do, but they work, too. <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, it's like, yes, that was powerful, but you also have to come into normal life, you know, like a lot of people live. So I'm guessing Peter, at this time, they come off this mountaintop experience, and, I'm, and they go down, and they find these people arguing. They find that, you know, this big argument um, happening when they get back down the mountain. And a lot of times God does give us these mountaintop experiences to prepare us to live in the valley, to prepare us for everyday life, if you will, that we need to be prepared for that everyday life experiences. And sometimes it's messy. Life is just messy, right? And as I, uh, I was talking about these powerful moments, can you have the presence of God in your everyday life? Absolutely you can, but it might not look like it might not look like the mountaintop, but we can have experience with God every single day if we look for it. And I'm always praying, God show up to me today. as I open my Bible today and read, will you speak to me? It doesn't mean that the feeling I get of this mountaintop experience may not be the same, but he's still there. He's still speaking. He hasn't left you. He's still there, and he wants us to um, have a relationship with him no matter what. So they come down, find this big argument happening. Jesus and the disciples had, um, had not been able to help this father. This desperate father uh, is coming to Jesus saying, your disciples couldn't help me in this situation. And so Jesus showed up, and it says they were overwhelmed with wonder. Why were they overwhelmed with wonder at that moment? Um, some people think that Jesus may have still been glowing, like, like uh, Moses did when he came off the mountain with the you know spending time in the glory of God up on the mountain. But if he was still gr- glowing, um, it wouldn't have been made much sense for Peter, James, and John to keep it to themselves. They would have said, "Whoa, you know you're you're glowing." So it probably wasn't likely that um, they were amazed that Jesus showed up at that exact moment. Have you ever just had Uh, someone show up just like amazing we were just talking about you we were just talking you just showed up that's pretty cool those God experiences those very moments you're just like that had to be God that just orchestrated that very moment I can't believe it you're here well that probably is what happened here Jesus was uh, they were just talking about wishing him to be here because the disciples couldn't help us and now you're here amazing so Jesus asked, what were they arguing about? And this father stepped forward and he said, uh, his son was sick or, or rather he was demonized. His son had been demonized and his, and his disciples couldn't help him in this situation. And, and of course he was desperate. Um, his boy was possessed by a spirit that robbed him of his speech. And the literal Greek word uh, says that he has a spirit that makes him mute. And so later it's identified as a demon or a demonic spirit that was influencing this young little boy. So um, immediately they come down from this heavenly moment to a demonic moment. Have you ever had that also happen? Just like a heavenly moment to a major crash and burn. And Peter was just like, can we go back up there again? (laughs) Can can we just go back up on the mountain, Jesus? I, I really would like that. Um, but you know this demonic situation and so how do you how do you deal with these situations do you know what to do in these situations Um, do you know how to deal with spiritual battles and i would say a lot of christians have no clue in fact they're just like please keep away (laughs) you're scaring me you're scaring me with this stuff and I assure you that it's not that scary, but I do believe we need to be aware of the spirit realm and demonic situations because many Christians, uh, many people in our world, in fact, many Christians in our world, would rather not talk about this. Let's just not talk about this stuff. Um, they don't know how to deal with it or they don't believe in it. I'm talking about Christians, pro- uh, proclaiming Christians don't believe in the demonic as being literal, Satan is not literal. Hell is not literal. It's just a figure of speech, and I assure you, that's simply not true. Um, there are evil spirits that affect people. All demonic spirits have an assignment, and and it's just as we have an angelic army. There's also a demonic realm, a, a, a spiritual forces of darkness realm, and it is an army with an assignment, so to speak. So the main issue is never the demon. I assure you, the demon is never the main issue. It's the sin that keeps it there or the lie that allows a place in someone's life that gives it that foothold or stronghold in someone's heart or their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions that allows a foothold in their life. That's the. That's what keeps it there. It's the undealt with sin that opens the door for the enemy. And our God is always greater and has provided freedom for us and deliverance from these things, these lies and these strongholds if we want it. Um, Jill and I have uh, many stories, many stories of, of praying with people over the years and walking them through steps of healing and deliverance through forgiveness, which is the number one issue usually. Unforgiveness, rather. That uh, walking through people through steps of freedom and, and, and f- confessing sin. Of, of letting go of things in their life. Opening the doors um, where they have allowed these lies. They believe these lies. And Satan only has a power in a believer's life when we believe his lies. That's the only, he knows that. He knows just like Howard was talking. Oh no, he's awake. You know that's that's really what is true. Satan knows that we have greater power over him. Satan is under our feet in Christ. He's under our feet, and yet a lot of Christians just like, oh, I cower in fear because, and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do, is to fear him. But we never have to be afraid. I'm never afraid of demonic things ever. Because I know my God is greater than him. And we should all know that. Um, And so there's freedom and deliverance. And one thing I can assure you is not weird and it's not spooky. As movies portray, you know, horror flicks and things like that. But one thing I believe is that more Christians should understand this. Uh, Unfortunately, many Christians, uh, including ministers, that is, um, do not understand spiritual warfare or how to lead people through Walking into freedom and deliverance. Um, now, mar- later on in the last chapter of Mark, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. What are those signs? One of them is casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. You know, we'll see that later on as we finish this uh, this book. But as humans, God has created us all, not just as physical beings, He's given us a physical body, but a mind, our will, our, our, our soul, that is, our mind, our will, and our emotions is our soul, and also our spirit, um, that he's created as, as spiritual beings, right, to, and he wants us to be set free from any any lies, you know, whether that be forgiveness issues, it could be uh, abuses in our, from other people, the sin of not our own, but some abuse or that has affected us that has opened the door for the enemy and wreak havoc in our lives through fear, uh, could be our own pride, uh, could be sexual issues, could be witchcraft issues, um, could be um, tendencies and, and for suicide and death. because Satan's modus operandi is always death. He will always, everything always leads to death because he wants to kill us all. And so if you could see in this story that what did the father say? He keeps throwing himself into the water and in the fire trying to kill him. That's exactly what he does. He always does. Satan always tries and attempts to kill us all. And so this is no wonder. This has always been that way. Most of the world believes in the spirit realm. Most of the world, that is. Who does not believe in the spirit realm? Is more Western civilizations do not. More Western civilizations do not believe in the spirit realm. And I've been to countries, and it's, it's not uncommon for there to be the demonic manifestations. And, and, and uh, you know, people, even in church services, people will fall on the floor, foaming at the mouth, just like what we read. And just, it'll be this big show and big display and um, Satan always wants to make a big show. He always wants to make a big display to get people to fear him. And that's what happens sometimes in the and this not it's not even a question for people to go, oh yeah, that guy has a demon. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's like, Whoa! And I used to get freaked out by that myself because I lacked the understanding of what it was. I'll just share a brief story, but when I was in Bible college years ago and I had a professor and he was uh, formerly a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And in Papua New Guinea, if you know any of that a territory of the world, uh, when they first arrived, um, this was still headhunters. They still kill people and shrunk their heads and everything. And so, <laughs> you know, this, this former professor of mine, he was telling me, like, all this demonic stuff happened all the time, and it was very common for them uh, to see that. And I'm like, man, that must be crazy when you go to these places, and he would still go there and he would come back. And I said, I remember asking him a question I'm like, man, it must be so amazing to see all these demonstrative spiritual things happening all the time. And he goes, No. You know what it really has done, Greg? And, he, and I said, What? He said, It's opened my eyes when I step off the plane in America. How Satan doesn't have to make big demonstrative displays of things. But he said, it's hidden. It's hidden to most common people. You don't even see it. But I've been my, I, my spiritual eyes, he was saying, have been open to the spirit realm in America. Because people here don't believe in it. So they don't see it. But I see it every single day. And I can see it in advertising. The sexual, the sexual implore of advertising. I can see it in this and so much. He said, it's demonic. And you don't even realize it. And I'm like, huh. And that that started the process for me going, Lord, I want to be discerning of spirits. I want that spiritual gift to be able to understand this more because I I lack the understanding. And so if you want that, God will show that to you, not just for knowing it, but know how to deal with it, how to prepare for it, how to battle with it. And so Jesus and his earlier followers, they believed in it. They believed and they, they knew that there was a spirit world inhabited by God, angels, demons, Satan, of course, and principalities, powers of darkness. So is there such thing as being possessed by a demon or an evil spirit? Yes, we just read about it here in this passage. Often we don't see the word possessed in scriptures unless you're reading, probably the King James version says possessed, but uh, it's actually not the best description or translation of that word. Rather, it's demonized or has a demon. The Greek word here is actually de- uh, di I don't have it on our screen. I don't think, but d a i m o n i z o d i a m o n <laughs> i z o. I can't even say it? <laughs> Get the point? <laughs> uh, but I I point this out because I am often asked, "Can Christians have demon possession?" My answer is that the Bible does not use that language. It does not use the language of possession pretty much of anybody. Um, But I absolutely know Christians can be attacked. Christians can be influenced by the demonic, um, by evil spirits, that we are in a spiritual battle. And it would be disastrous to conclude that as a Christian, you are exempt from that battle. Both Peter and Paul warned us about this. Now, Peter said in his letter, he said in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Stay alert or be watchful. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking and looking for someone to devour. What is that saying? He's writing this to Christians. Watch out. Your devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And this is where number one today I want to point out is that we need to be prepared and we need to be aware. Absolutely. No army goes into battle without preparation. That you need the equipment. You need to know the tactics of your enemy. No one, no army, our U.S. forces would never go into battle without examining and figuring out the tactics of their enemy of course not and when i go backpacking i know here locally we have grizzly bears we have mountain lions and so i don't ever go up in the mountains without packing something either bear spray or you know my handgun something to prepare protect myself from harm right probably more than that i'm not as afraid of bears and mountain lions as much as i am mosquitoes I come prepared every time, because I think those little critters are demon-possessed little stinkers, and man, I hate them. I hate them. So, I come prepared. Um, I do not want to be lunch for an angry bear or mosquito or anything else. We have very real adversaries, and uh, whether they be animals, people, mosquitoes, or demonic influences... And we're reminded about this in Ephesians chapter six, right? And I want us to point out in this scripture, this is probably the, the highlight of all the scriptures in the armor of God scripture in Ephesians. Paul writes this, he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his what? Mighty. His mighty power. Because he says nothing about be strong in your own power. You know, <laughs> so be strong in your own power. Have, have some self-control. No, it's put on, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And we always have to remember that. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, against authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And when I see things rising up in our country, and I see things rising up in other places, and I'm just like, you know, this is a battle. Our, battle is on our knees. We need to take it to the Lord. We need to. And then he goes into the armor of God, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. And he goes on into the um, the armor itself. But remember, it's in His mighty power that we put on this armor. We need it not just once in a while. We need it every day. And he never gave us the armor to retreat. There's nothing for the backside. (laughs) You're just supposed to keep moving forward in that battle and that say, you know what, I am not afraid. I'm going to carry on. And we are engaged in a spiritual battle. Therefore, we need to be aware. We need to be prepared. We need to be armed for battle. The good news is that Jesus wins the battle every time. He won the greatest battle of all. But when we're faced with battles that just come our way. We can know, we can turn to the Lord, and he's given us powerful weapons. You know what, what did Jesus do when he was tempted by Satan? He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture to him. That's a powerful weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Use the word of God. You know, and and so God has given us authority over evil spirits, and they have to leave at his command every time. And this is one thing you have to grow in your own confidence in the Lord. You have to grow in confidence in the God that you just like, did I serve? Because like David stood before Goliath, he said, you shall not. You're speaking about my God here. You're speaking about my God. And you're going you're gonna to die, buddy. You're going to go down. Because I'm not, gonna, I'm not afraid of you. And I'm going to keep on, you know. And so, yeah, he was mocked. Yes, he was cursed. And guess what? Who won the battle in that situation? We also have spiritual battles like that that we don't have to be confident in the Lord and in His mighty power. And one thing that we can do, and, and I'm not saying uh, uh, what 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 sometimes Christians do—they they're they're weak in their prayers. They're weak in their prayers. They pray with doubt, and sometimes we do that even with spiritual attacks. From the enemy, and there's two ways to pray. There's there's the one where you petition God, you petition God, and you ask, Lord, I ask that you would do this. Uh, I ask that you will bring healing in this person's life. I ask that you will take this thing away from me. I ask. Yes, we we're supposed to ask the Father. There's also times, and this is where a lot of Christians go, Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. And it's a command prayer, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I command this to stop now in Jesus' name. We can pray this for healing. Uh, you can pray it, you know, and, and we've done this, that, you know, I pray a command in the name of Jesus that inf- inflammation to leave that knee in the name of Jesus and be gone. You can do that? Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. And I'm not saying you're using the Lord's name in vain or you're, you're taking but he's given us authority, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today and see that he's given us that right as children of God to say, in Jesus' name, this be gone. And that's what Jesus is saying. He commanded that demon out of that little boy, and he had to go. We can do the same. And it says this in James chapter 4, verse 7. Always, look at it this way, always in humility, humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Other translations say, submit then to God, resist the devil, and flee from We always do it in submission. We always do it in humility before God. God, this is not me. I'm humbled by this. I, I submit to you, Lord. And out of my submission, out of my relationship with you, this has to go. This has to go. One more question. Does the Bible teach us that all sickness is caused by evil spirits? Well, now, no, not everything is in, this, in this way that we're just read about happens. Some of, us, some of it is, as in this case, but again, where does sickness come from? Does sickness come from God or from Satan only? This is a big question. I mean, a lot of people don't know how to answer. And I do not believe God gives us cancer, that he gives us sickness, that he wants to teach us a lesson that we're just, you know, he doesn't give us that. He does not give death. Death is a consequence to us all in this world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. And uh, the devil, devil does come to kill, steal, and destroy. That is his MO, like I said. Some sickness and pain is specifically demonic. Uh, spirit of inflammation. Spirit of uh, affirmity. Those are demonic spirits, actually. And so there are also sickness that are caused by viruses, as we've seen and known this last year, bacteria. Um, Pain is uh, because of sometimes outside influences. Or pain could be because we're just old. (laughs) Our bodies are breaking down, amen? (laughs) No matter, no matter, Jesus still heals. And Jesus would discern whether also a sickness was a spirit of infirmity or or demonic spirit caused by that, specifically. Uh, So this father exclaimed, explained to Jesus this condition. And then Saturday says, I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. And uh, later um, would ask Jesus why they couldn't. And Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer. And some other manuscripts Uh, add fasting, by prayer and fasting. But later in Mark, we find that Jesus had given his disciples authority over evil spirits, right? Uh, Earlier, we had seen that in in the the gospel of Mark. It says in Mark chapter three, it says in verse 14 and 15, then he appointed the 12 and he called them his apostles and, and they were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Um, and this is when Jesus called and chose them to be his, his apostles. Then in Mark chapter 6, we also saw, this says, he called the 12 disciples together and they began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. So again, this was just a common thing for them. It wasn't even, you know, you might not hear about this so much. I'm going to send you guys out this week to cast out demons. Right? Does anybody want to sign up? Anybody? Come on, come on. <laughs> okay um, well this was not something they they disbelieved it was something they knew and we also need to know it too um, he, this was pre Pentecost so this was an impartation of his spirit that he would send them out and in pre-impartation of his spirit pre-Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came so Jesus was giving them authority and said go out and cast out demons in the name of God, (laughs) in the name of God. Well, after Pentecost, that's when the Holy Spirit did come, and he empowers all believers. The the Holy Spirit is in you. But for some of us, the Holy Spirit has not been released in us unless we ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that before with the baptism of fire that John the Baptist spoke about, that Jesus was going to come give. So this was pre-that. And so Jesus was sending them out to preach, And also to cast out demons and heal the sick. So twice Jesus had given them authority. So in this situation, why did this not happen? Didn't this was previous? This was prior to them being going out a couple other times. Why didn't it happen this time? In this situation, Um, is Jesus referring to a special class of demonic spirits that are hard to cast out? Um, is it possible that he's referring uh, rather to evil spirits in general? Uh, evil spirits are cast out by prayer. Uh, but how does that work? Is it possible that Jesus meant they need to pray right then on the spot? Um, what, what was the situation that kept that from happening? Now, are there classes of demonic spirits? Yes, there are. <laughs> there are demonic spirits, and there are uh, greater levels, if you will, of demonic spirits. But maybe they had relied on their previous successes. Maybe they just didn't even think about praying. Oh, we didn't. They didn't even pray at all. You know what I mean? How many times you just like, you know, yeah, I'll be praying about that. I'll be praying for your son, and I hope he does well. And then maybe they just left it like that. (laughs) They should have just prayed right then. They should have just said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And maybe they didn't do that. Uh, Maybe they forgot, perhaps, the authority that Jesus had already given them. Do we ever forget that? Do we ever forget who we are as believers? When you're caught up in those moments of doubt and frustration and anger or or depression, I forget who I am sometimes. I forget that I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Right, we sang that today. Yes, I am. And that's my second point: is that you need to know who you are. Know who you are. Are you confident in who you are in the Lord and over the attacks of the enemy? Are you confident in that? That as children of God, we are called to a relationship with Father God, just like Jesus had. Jesus. You're never going to read about Jesus' questioning in his own identity. He did not. We're in a world that questions their identity almost every day. There's an identity crisis in our world. We don't know who we are, so we just want to identify as this this week, and maybe I'm going to identify as this this week. That's not how it works, buddy. That's not how it works. You, I don't identify just as your own personal preferences. You identify by who God says that you are. We need to discover that. Who do you say that I am, God? I need to be confident in who you created me to be. And sometimes that's the very point. Is that people don't want to know what, who God created them to be. That's the basis of everything in our world today. And the question of identity. Jesus never questioned it. Guess what? When Satan tempted it, what did, Jesus, what did Satan do? it's a very subtle thing that he'll use in every one of us. If you are the son of God. He's like, it's not an if. I know who I am. I know who I am. It's not an if. That's what Satan did on every one of his temptations. If you are truly the son of God. See, it's the same tactic. It's not different. He uses it with with us too. If you are really that. That's that little subtlety that he'll use every single time. Jesus never feared the devil, nor should we. It flows out of maintaining this light relationship with the Father. Jesus had a relationship with the Father that he emulates. He wants us to understand so that we can have the same, that we can have that same authority, we can have that same source. The battle belongs to the Lord, but I take a stand in his mighty power, and that spiritual authority flows from my relationship with my Father. That prayer life keeps you connected with the Father, that relationship that gives you that spiritual authority. And it may be best to understand it as both. We need a lifestyle of prayer to be connected to God, and we need to pray in the moment and not rely on ourselves. Prayer is one of the primary ways to express our faith to God. We turn to Him and ask for His help. Yes, pray, to failure to pray is failure to trust. So older translations add fasting, and fasting is the uh, abstaining from something, usually food, that is, uh, in order to seek God. And yes, I recommend fasting, fasting and, and making that sacrifice to lay that down, because Jesus fasted in the, for 40 days, right? He fasted during that wilderness time, and he was tempted at the same time during that time. We fast to grow in relationship we fast to grow in our prayer life. In this way, fasting uh, connects us to God, gives us greater spiritual authority. And you know what? I think fasting uh, probably does even more so for me. it If you can get self-control by fasting, you can get self-control over many other areas and other temptations in your life. It's like, no way. It's learning to say, God, I'm not going to let these things control me Any. Any habits, any addictions in my life, I'm not going to let those things control me because I know my God is greater. And so this father comes and said, "I asked them to drive out this demon," and Jesus replies, "Oh, unbelieving generation, oh, unbelieving! How long am I going to stay with you? Why can't you see this?" And sometimes we we fall into that category. Are we a generation that still doesn't believe? Yeah. Nothing's new under the sun. We, we're still battling with some unbelief issues, believers included. And so he addressed, he addressed, bring the boy to me. And so the disciples have failed. Jesus steps in. And when the father brings the boy, this, it says the evil spirit saw Jesus and threw him down into this terrible uh, convulsions, foaming at the mouth this powerful encounter where the forces of evil are met with the kingdom of God at that very moment. And again, he always tries to make a show and display. And whenever I've faced a demonic situation specifically, I just take authority over. Do you know that you can take authority over and say, you will not manifest in the name of Jesus? I say, you will not. And I I mean, I've seen literal possessed people. I mean, if you... You can, you can choose to believe it or not, but it's, it's true. What I've experienced in my own eyes many, many times, people just like could not move. I'm like, you are not going to make a display, and I'm not afraid of you. In the name of Jesus, you're going to be silent, and you're not going to manifest. Because I don't believe Satan and what you're trying to do to scare anybody. I'm not going to let you do this. In this case, it was manifesting, and Jesus said, be quiet and come out. And he did. Um, he always tries to make a show, like I said. But this is where this exchange happened. And it's like, you are not going to have your way and you're going to go out. You're going to leave. Again, a lot of people are afraid of these situations. And um, I, you have to understand in, in the spirit realm that, um, what am I trying to say, that We don't have to yell. You probably, I've seen many bad demonstrations of this. Bad demonstration, screaming and yelling and saying, just come out and and trying to cast demons out. I'm like, it's because you really lack, you really lack knowing how to handle this properly. Satan is not hard of hearing. (laughs) He's not. He's not hard of hearing. And you don't have to get your, you know, all riled up. You can say, in the name of Jesus, you come out and you just shut up. You shut up. And, and I've done that, um, I can't count how many times I've done that. And it just, just like, we don't have to, you can talk just like I'm talking right now. Because it's, again, who are you? Are you confident in who you are? In the Lord and in his mighty power. And so Jesus said, um, the man came, he said, If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father said, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. If you can. Faith doesn't say if you can. Again, remember that if. Where does that come from sometimes? The enemy. If you can is not from God. I know you can. I know you can, but I love this exchange, this Father, that this being Father's Day is a a perfect reminder to us. It's not, sometimes I lack the faith, sometimes I lack the confidence. Say, God, help me where I'm weak, help me in my unbelief. And that's what that Father did. And Jesus saw that and he goes, I'll take whatever you give, I'll take every ounce of faith that you can muster up. I give you what I have, Lord. I, I, I might lack the faith. Maybe I can't see myself ever becoming like that guy, that spiritual giant. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Faith says, I know you can. And the man receives Jesus' correction and then prays one of my favorite prayers. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I need Jesus' help in this moment. And so Jesus didn't send him away. Say, come back when your faith is stronger, you know, and you can get better faith, and I'll finally do something for you. He didn't say that. He said, I'll get take whatever you can bring me. And so Jesus helped him cast out that demon. Why did Mark put this in this gospel? Why did he include this story here? What is the main idea Mark is trying to communicate about Jesus? The event sandwiched between two predictions of Jesus' suffering and his death, And the resurrection, he predicts it on the mountain of transfiguration um, that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die. Peter was saying, you know, I'm never going to let you do this. You know, he also told him previous to that, I'm not going to let you do this. And Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. Uh, That's not a great verse to quote (laughs) at someone. Not a great quote scripture, but you know. I think uh, Mark wants us to see Jesus, the suffering Savior of the world, who cares about this desperate father, about his demon, demonic son, that I can heal that. I can, get, I can take whatever you bring me. And so last of all, Mark wants to point in this last portion of Mark, we're going to see that this is pointing to the cross. He's always taking us to the cross of Jesus that, uh, and the, his resurrection. Yet all the way, Jesus stops He stops to care for people in this instant in particular. He's never too busy. He's never too focused. Um, He's the Savior of the world. He's our Savior. Jesus is always enough for you and for me. Uh, And when we call, he'll always answer. He's never too busy for you. Sometimes we're tempted to think, God's too busy running the universe. I don't want to bother with my little piddly things. But that's not true. Jesus is always enough for you, whether it be big or small. And so Jesus healed this boy in this very moment. Again, they came off this mountaintop experience down to this valley, down to a demon-possessed situation. And this is an important reminder. I want to conclude with this today is my third point is call on Jesus and come as you are. Call on Jesus and come as you are. Jesus is always enough for you. Next thing, bring your kids to Jesus. Bring your kids to Jesus. It's Father's Day and I was struck by the fact that this father brought his son to Jesus. I can't help but make the application for for fathers and for parents to bring their kids to Jesus. Do you know that God places high priority on the men to be spiritual leaders of their family? But most men do not do this. I just read some, stati- some statistics that only 90% of men are involved in any kind of discipleship. 90% of men. And that's less than 10% of men are actively involved in any type of growing relationship with God or discipleship. Also, when a this is interesting, when a mother comes to Christ and... Uh, Um, Her family will join her at church and growing in a relationship with Jesus only 17% of the time. 17. But when a father comes to Christ, guess what the number is? 93% of the time when a father leads his children as a spiritual leader of his family, 93% will come with him. What is the difference there? Why? Why? Because I believe it's God-ordained that the man is to take the authority, the spiritual reign and the authority of his family. The reason our society has so many issues is the absence of fathers and their absence of following Christ and spiritually leading their family. In fact, 85% or more of those in prison have no earthly father figure in their life. There are many other statistics along with this, but can you see... Do you think just maybe a father has an important role that we should take more seriously? You know, again, maybe I failed. I failed as a father. I messed up. But you know what? I've also had to be free to admit to it. It takes a man, a humble man, to go to his own kids and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I messed up. I wasn't this man. I wasn't the father. I wasn't the perfect father. Thank God, as we sang today, we have a perfect father. Just admit it. Guess what? Your kids might be shocked to hear you apologize and ask for forgiveness. It's never too late to start, even if you've messed up for years. It's okay. Just start somewhere. Jesus said, bring the boy to me. And, And when we later get to the next chapter, in chapter 10, it says parents were bringing their kids to Jesus, and disciples tried to stop them, and Jesus said, bring the kids unto me kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Let the children come. Bring your kids to Jesus. And today, I want to speak directly to the dads to bring your kids to Jesus. Absolutely. Often, moms are the primary nurturers of their children, but I want to challenge the dads. And, and I, I, I commend single parents. I commend them. Um, but... You know, it's the, it is a big job for the, and take the responsibility to nurture and to care for the kids as a father. It was a dad who brought his boy to Jesus for healing. Dads, bring your kids to Jesus. How do you bring your kids to Jesus? And I want to give you a, a few bullet points, if you will. First, you pray for them. Pray, pray, pray every day. Pray for them. Dads, I hope you pray for your kids every day. And it doesn't matter whether they're adult kids or little kids. You never stop being a parent, do you? You're always praying for your kids. I'm always praying for them every day myself. If you don't pray for them, who will? You are the responsibility to bring them to Jesus. God is entrusted with them with your care. And again, you say, well, they're, they're over 18. Who cares? Pray. Pray for them. God has entrusted them to your care, and it's proven that when a spiritual father leads his family, their children will follow as well. Pray for your kids, and then... Pray with your kids. Pray with them. This is one of the ways to bring your kids to pray with them. Bring your kids to Jesus. Pray with them. And what are some other things you can do? Another one is model your relationship with Jesus. Model that. The biggest by far. This is one of the biggest things you can do. Kids emulate. They they imitate you. They look at what you do and what you say. So watch what you say, right? But... You can't give away what you don't have. So nurture your own relationship with Jesus and model that live it out in front of your kids. Be that example and they go, "Wow, my dad is the real deal. He he follows Jesus." Model a devotional life to them. You know what? I I've become a spiritual father for some that didn't have an earthly father. You can also become a spiritual father for someone else. You can adopt someone. You can take them in and be a spiritual leader or, or, or a person in someone else's life if you don't even have some of your own kid. Um, but you can model a devotional life, and that is let them see you reading the Word. Let them see that. Model that for them your children will see what you do. Read that Bible, journal, talk about it with your kids so they can also learn to do it themselves. Also, make church a priority. Make it a priority. For my family, it was never an option, not just because it's my career choice. Say, you know, this is my job, you need to come. No, it was like, this is what the Perkins do. I've even had exchange students and I've had other people live in my house with me and I'm like, it's not an option. You come to church with us. So I just want to make that clear. That's what we do. That's what we do as the Perkins. We go to church. And so it didn't matter if we felt like it or not. It didn't matter. Sometimes I didn't feel like it. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't feel like it this morning. <laughs> well, you're the pastor, Dad. Um, so, But the Perkins were committed to following Jesus. And uh, this is what we do. We go to worship together. And then when we open the doors, we sacrifice other things to be in church each week together. And uh, also, we prayed together as a family, mainly at the dinner table. But we made a we made a, a, I don't know what it was. It was just something that we did. It was, sometimes people have family prayer times where they meet in the living room and sit on the couch. Ours was mostly the dinner table. So we, we sat at the dinner table. And even if it was just, Lord, bless this food, but we still had times together and we shared. And that, we said, no cell phones, no TV. That's still the rule today. And, and you know, even well cell phones everything <laughs> put the cell phone off you know we're having dinner together so that we made that a priority make something sacred in your marriage make something sacred in your family together if you don't who will and a lot of times people are just so on the rush you know we're going through McDonald's drive through we just have TV dinners all the time and we just never stop to pause to have time as a prayer time together as a family and I, and I say try to make that if you haven't start start something but basically come to Jesus as you are as this father you could say he had wobbly faith he had weak faith but he didn't let that stop him from coming to Jesus he admitted his faith was weak I admit it I'm weak that's all we have to do just come and say I'm weak God I'm weak Help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus took what he had, and he healed his son. And sometimes we hesitate but pray because we don't think we're good enough, and we're not, unless, of course, you have a Mr. Goodbar. And if you have a Mr. Goodbar, then you will be good enough, guys. So there's only 10 of them up here, I think. So otherwise, you're just going to have to get a Twix instead. <laughs> you can be a Mr. Goodbar or a Twix. I don't care. Um, But you're not. You're not going to be good enough. And that makes it clear that if we are good enough, then we don't need Jesus. Only He, He says, I became sin for you so that you can become the righteousness of God. Just admit it. I am not good. And our whole world teaches us just be good, be good, be good, and then you'll go to heaven. I'm like, that's not even scriptural. I can never be good, not even one. I can only say, God, I submit myself humbly before you and admit I'm a sinner. I am weak in my faith, and I need you, Jesus. I come to the cross, and I admit my failures. As a father or as just anyone in this room, I admit it. I have to admit my own weaknesses, my failures to you, Lord, and he'll take that little bit of faith that you bring him he'll take whatever you can bring and he will say now I declare you righteous in my sight because the blood of Jesus washes away your sin washes away your failures and he said now you are holy in my sight it's a God moment come to Jesus as you are and he will change you into his likeness and the story is not just an every it's an everyday thing I don't just go, well, back in, like I said, back in 1983, that was when I really had a God moment. You can have a God moment every day. So this story is about a weak man's faith, but a strong Savior. And In the end, what really matters is not the strength of your faith, but the strength of our Savior. What really matters is not how good you are, but how good he is. Come to him as you are. Let him change you. What is one thing Jesus is speaking to you about today? Maybe you dads could be anyone in here, in this room. What is God saying to you? Maybe you just want to write that down. Maybe it's just even a prayer. Write that down and just say, I take this now, Lord, as a prayer to you. This is what you're speaking to me. Let's just close in prayer and let them identify one thing Jesus is calling you. What is he asking of you today? Write it down as a prayer and give it back to him. And Lord, we do. Lord, we need to recognize that there is a, a battle for our soul. There is a battle. We are in a spiritual battle every day, whether we recognize it or not. But Lord, help us to know who we are or that you call us to be. You call us all to be your children. And Lord, in order to be really a child of God, I need to surrender to your love. (laughs) It's not a surrender in just the gloom and doom and the judgment of God. I surrender to your love. I surrender to your grace. I surrender to you, God, that I am weak, but you are strong. And Lord, I ask you to take my failures, take my sin, Lord, from me once again. I know you can. It's not an if, I know you can. And Lord, even if I'm battling with some strong, pretty heavy stuff, could be even demonic, Lord, I know your power is greater over the enemy and I have to believe that. I have to know that. Build my faith, Lord, that, and show me, Lord, I have been given your authority to say, be gone in the name of Jesus and you have to flee. The enemy has to flee. Lord, I just thank you that as I come to you, you take what I bring and you call me the righteousness of God. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that assurance today. Thank you for that confidence. Thank you for your love. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Lord, I admit I am a sinner. And I call on you. I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Lord. That I may live today and follow your ways. And then tomorrow, I'll get up and say the same thing again and again and again. Because your grace is again and again and again, always there for me, Lord. And I thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Hey, guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Poulson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.